Hey, good people. We're back with another episode of the No Good People podcast, where no topic is ever off limits. And I, your host, Vera Smith-Winfrey, have the best seat in the house. My guest today is one of the dopest creatives I have yet to encounter. We started off as strangers, morphed into acquaintances, and once we realized our energies were in complete alignment, sealed our friendship and have been friends for probably more than 15 years. Um, She is a spoken word artist, writer and poet, food photographer, home cook, word nerd. She's a master of taking a little and turning it into something great. So it's my distinct pleasure to welcome Catrice, creator of the Brutally Honest Cook. Welcome oh my and goodness. hello, Catrice. Thank you, Vera. Like, wow, that, I'm, you know what? As I just, so just in case they know that off the record, we had a whole conversation about what it's like to be the center of attention. That was the <laughs> warmest hug I've ever had. And I appreciate that. Thank you. And I received that. Thank You're you very more much. More than welcome. And I'm super excited to have you on the show. Um, so let's get started. Where'd you grow up and what was your childhood like? So I grew up in Bloomfield for most of my life. So when I was 10, I lived in Bloomfield, been there until I was 20 and came back with my children when I was whew, 28. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Bloomfield has been my hometown, my stomping grounds. Um, I started off in, you know, regular mom and dad and home, but, you know, naturally we all have like a catalyst that sparks our superpower, right? Those moments that initiate the, the big boom inside of us that kind of points us in the trage- trajectory we're going to go. So for mm-hmm. me, my thing was I lived in a household with a father who was um, addicted to his alcohol addictions, amongst other things. And wasn't the nicest human on the planet. So um, being young and exposed to extreme comforts while also extreme dangers um, often put me in a position where I had to find middles or create middles or curate memories that I otherwise wouldn't have had if I wasn't mindful. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what sparked that creative thing in me that just won't stop making the world around me the way I want it. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so did you, as a young child, know that your father had addictive tendencies? Did you know he was addicted to alcohol or was that something you realized later? Um, so I realized he had a drinking issue and that he was a functional alcoholic by the time I was around 14. Um, but he had started becoming more controlling and more physical when I was around 10. So I noticed there was a shift in his behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it was all physical. It wasn't like it was a, you know, fortunately I wasn't one of those that got sexually abused or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, the whipping child of the house. And um, it, I don't, I don't know how to explain this without sounding like a total dramatic novella, but it's like (laughs) when you're a child, and you are told that the source of your security and protection is your paternal guardian, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't have it, you find supplements for it, right? And like the way I used to, so I was like a super tomboy growing up. 
all my friends were males and I was rough and tumble and explored everything and took risks, but I was also um, expressive without the right to express myself. So I had lots to say, but because I wasn't allowed to say it, where did it go? It went into books. I held a journal since I was a kid. I wrote mm. poems since I was 10. I, I started my journal when I was nine. And it just, words have always been my crutch since then. So that's kind of where my artistic journey started. That's what led me into the poetry and kind of built my confidence as a creative there. And then it just kind of spawned into other things as a result of me being confident enough to try that and mm -hmm, doing well mm -hmm. with it, so. And you are incredibly confident with the different things that you try. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, in the many years that I've known, you. Um, I've seen you wear so many different types of hats. Mm. Um, because when we first met, you were a barista. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that seems, you know, it, it seems like such a long time ago, which it was, but, mm. um, but incredibly, you know, you kind of came into your own. And what made you decide that, okay, I need to do something more than this? Like, you know, what was it that said, okay, I, I have more in me to do. And so, but now is the time for me to do this. It honestly took a long time. It, this was not something that clicked because I became a mom. This wasn't something that clicked because I became a wife. Um, this actually clicked after the separation of my relationship with my ex-husband. Okay. And a lot of that was because I wasn't smothered under the stresses of performing what womanhood should be within the context yeah. of someone else's standard. So without that filter and that handcuff on me, I was able to, I had to determine what my identity was going to be mm -hmm. before I stepped out into the world as something other than somebody's wife and mother, because I was no longer anybody's wife at that point. Mm -hmm. And I decided I'm gonna go back. And all those cool kids that I used to be back when I didn't know who I was and I wasn't mm -hmm. confident and I couldn't live on my terms, I'm about to go tap into those things. And I'm gonna honor those things in me and figure out how they fit in my life and whether or not I've outgrown them. And it's been an adventure ever since. And how long have you been doing this? Like how long do you think you've been on this adventure? Oh, since for about five years, since 2016. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, I, I realized it's weird because like professionally, if you want to talk about what you do to make your bread and butter, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing in that agenda or, or that timeline that I have professionally that says, she's heading into a career that she's going to stay the rest of her life in. Mm -hmm. The most evolution I've had has been creatively. And I'm now at a point in my creative life where I'm dipping my toe into pursuing this as a career. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so I'm excited. It, it, it's a roundabout journey, but I love it. And I think some of those are the best journeys because you have a tendency to know who you are as opposed to being what other people want you to be. And so that yes. kind of leads me into, you know, something that you said about um, that you believe conformity is the number one killer of dreams and that freedom starts with self-acceptance. So 
Yes. Do you feel that you're at this point in your life that you are accepting who you are and that you're finding your voice and your freedom? Or do you still feel like you're, you're continuing on that journey because there's more to discover about Catrice? So, okay, yes. There is a part <laughs> of me that is, no, because it's, it's I don't, I, uh, I'm stumbling because the truth is if you really think about what happened, I stopped looking for acceptance from other people. Mm-hmm. I stopped looking to find out who was going to deem me worthy enough to keep around. And in general, friendships, business partnerships, romantic relationships, I didn't care what it was. I felt like relationship dynamics in my life were so cyclical or rotational or ebbing and flowing in very long waves Mm -hmm. that I couldn't settle in this idea of outward and external connection. So I had to start connecting internally. Something that I didn't give myself the chance to do. I wasn't allowed the chance to do until Mm. I got out of my marriage. Okay. So because I was young, like I was like 24 when I met my ex-husband. So Mm -hmm. it was like becoming the woman that I saw myself being wasn't in the plan because I didn't have a vision. I just knew I was going to be somebody's wife. Right. I was excited about that part. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I remember you were excited about that. So, because my mom was, and I felt like that's, that's, you know, you start there and then you start life, right? That was Mm -hmm. what I thought happened. And I had it wrong because I had no vision for myself and therefore had to start building that vision when all the obstacles and all the internal dialogue that was limiting my ability to move were gone and I've been fulfilled and forward moving and catching my stride every step of the way and and and, you know people say oh you know you got to heal and it is healing but more so than that I feel like I finally know who I am I'm connected to me I see myself and I like myself I like who I am and that is something that I don't have to compromise now that I'm resting in this evolving being that I'm becoming. I know that sounds super philosophical. My God, this is terrible. But <laughs> Ma'am, it is not terrible. And this is, but I love the fact that you are speaking completely about who Catrice is and what you discovered yeah. about yourself. And more and more people need to hear that so that way they can be inspired mm-hmm. and motivated to be accepting of themselves as well too. So yeah. you're perfectly fine. And I love the conversation. That's why I wanted to have you on the show. So <laughs> you're good, you're good, you're good. Um, you know, now thinking about what you talked about for yourself, for, for Catrice, yes. now let's talk mm-hmm. about what you want for your children and how are you mm-hmm. instilling this or this concept of self-acceptance and finding your voice and establishing your freedom, right? How are you establishing that or instilling that in your children? I am the person that is a proxy for authority until they go out into the world and experience actual authority. And I have to help them contextualize what authority should engage them as, no matter what level of life they're in. Mm -hmm. And so I allow my children to communicate very openly with me. If 
I hurt their feelings or if they feel misunderstood or if they feel like I misperceive something, they have space and they, you know, I teach them what they need to learn to advocate for themselves Mm -hmm. to, with respect, with complete regard for how the other person is receiving them. Yes. Um, And I, you know, also help them with that urge to be perfectionists because they are good children and they are driven to do the right thing and be reinforced by positive behaviors. But it, it's almost like a, if I don't do well, then I'm terrible kind of thing. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm. to help them curb that understanding of their value for who they are versus their, the value of what they do. And so it, when it comes to freedom and self-acceptance, it's teaching them their power in all, in all circumstances. So they don't ever feel belittled, minimized, mm-hmm. in, you know, uh, discredited I don't just because they're children doesn't mean that I think they're incompetent they are smarter than right. most people oh, yeah. that we share yeah <laughs> yeah no no really for real yeah and so I'm, I'm a firm believer in cultivating that at the home yeah I think that you and I probably have very similar styles as far as raising kids because mm-hmm. I'm always impressed by the level of my own son's confidence right mm-hmm. and um, even if he feels like uncomfortable, he still exudes confidence. And I love that about him because I certainly did not have that at, you know, 17, 18, 19. I didn't, I didn't, I know I didn't. Of course not. Um, I wish. I wish, right? And so sometimes I just watch him, you know, walk into a room or walk among people and he's like very certain of who he is. And, and if they don't jive with him, he's kind of like, I don't care. And I love it. I love it, but he's also yeah, a very I, compassionate person. Um, and so it's just he's beautiful. He's absolutely to see. his mother's son. That's <laughs> got a page right out of your book right there, but y'all were like frick your frack, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, because right when we first met, I should tell our listeners that when we first met, like I said, you were a barista. I came in and my son was probably no more than five years old. Not at all. Yeah. And here he is 20 and you weren't a mom and you weren't a wife yet. And, um, (laughs) but here's the thing. And I think this is the reason why we connected so well is because um, even in our most simplest of interactions, I knew that you were great. You made me feel that way. Yeah. You made me feel that way. Like you saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. I can, I can definitely attest to that. That's why I always clung to you the way I did. Cause like, she knows where she's going and who she is. And that woman is my superhero. And if she sees something in me, I know I'm dope. So like, I already knew it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, you were dope. You know? I mean, and you are dope. Yeah. I mean, I, not were, but I knew that then. Yeah. I knew that then. Yeah. And there was nothing about you that said to me, she is only meant to be here, right? And if you were only meant to be there, then that means that you were supposed to take over that shot. (laughs) That's what it meant. You know, that's the only thing that that could have meant, but not to just, you know, be content because you were never the type of person to be content with just where you are and Mm -hmm. whatever life gives you. You know, that's not who you are as a person at all. So, um, and that's what the whole point of this is like, you know, to be around and to know when you know good people. 
and I yeah. knew that you were good people from from jump. So um, so it's interesting to hear you talk about how you you know you develop this relationship with your kids, and I love hearing that because I love hearing parents talk about the fact that you know I let them have a voice and I let them be who they are, and they're great individuals and they're already people. They're they're little people, but they already know what they want. You just kind of have to yeah. nurture that in them, and um, you know I can't wait to see what they do that is equally, if not more dope than what you're already doing. It scares me. Like, honestly, my daughter's picking up cameras and crafting. She is a creative bug already. And she louds about being a tomboy because her mom was a tomboy. She wears all <laughs> kinds of funky frames because I do. Like, she wants to be my little clone so bad. And it freaks me out, Vera. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let it it'd be so awesome to have like a, oh a, you know catrice part like, two. <laughs> oh my god i'm just like be a weirdo but be a way cooler weirdo than i was please like <laughs> yeah be a weirdo we're weirdo so good Weirdos are super good <laughs> so i mean you know i i look at all of your pictures and your imagery because you have beautiful imagery on your instagram page for the brutally honest cook so um now i can probably understand why you picked that name because I know you mm -hmm. so well but please tell me <laughs> how you came or how it came about and why that name the truth is I have no credentials behind my name I've never worked in a kitchen I've never been trained I never had the aspiration of being a chef so knowing I was going to do a food something I couldn't put the, the word chef and the fact is <laughs> <laughs> and also fact is I was doing food photography and one thing that I love I hate about food photography is how artificial the food looks everything is just so pristine because the assertion is if you eat with your eyes everything needs to look aesthetically pleasing I'm, I've, I've always hated marketed food products because uh, it was disappointed yeah. when disappointing when I received them and they look nothing like it nothing so when like I decided it. to do food photography I was like I'm gonna take pictures of the food the way ex exactly how you see it and that's what <laughs> and that's kind of how it became the brutally honest cook like I just wasn't going to manipulate anything that was already delicious when I was looking at it okay I see your point yeah. And then on top, but there's also layers to it because I'm also not filtered because I'm also heavily opinionated because I also have a billion philosophies and musings that I spew out because it's Tuesday. So they get a lot of that too. <laughs> yeah. You are completely and, living unfiltered. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I would be surprised if you ended up like, or you came up with another page that said like the unfiltered honest cook, right? Because <laughs> Yeah. You're well, good at I, that. I have, and I love it. No, 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 don't get me wrong. I love yeah. it. So, but the pictures are so beautiful. I mean, I would eat every single thing that you put before me. Um, <laughs> and I'm thinking, how can I get over to her house today to try this? Because that looks <laughs> really good. Like, I'll tell you my favorite picture is the, mm -hmm. um, it's probably the seafood scampi. Oh, I like that one. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like thinking in my head, like, I remember when I did that. Like, no, you, I'm going to tell you, I love seafood and I try not to take a million pictures of seafood because I am a seafood hound. Um, and so that is probably going to be the first and last scampi thing you'll ever see. I think the next seafood photo I want to do is going to be of a seafood boil. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm excited because, you know, it's nice outside. Why not? Like do it for Labor Day or whatever. But 
you know, I just, I love color. I love movement in food. I feel like food is the ultimate communicator when it comes to how you feel about somebody, mm-hmm. how you want someone to perceive you. Like we look at suits and we look at <laughs> shoes and we look at cars, but we really underestimate the flex of food. Mm-hmm. And so one of my joys is being able to capture that flex with chefs that are aren't your executive chefs that are line cooks who have yes. their own dreams and ambitions and have their own vision for their own food stories that they want to share. And, you know, I give them an opportunity to express that and taste it. <laughs> so you talk about the best tea in the house, get behind my camera. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would love to. I mean, everything looks so appetizing and and it's not so much that it's like I said the imagery but it's also I guess the words that you use to describe it and talk about it yeah I really fall in love with it yeah oh I know that it is because you are very intentional no question about it um and I think my other I you know because I I have to do this because I think my other favorite picture is the one that is um it's like pork belly Oh yes, the the miso. I, that yes. was the miso dollop. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That was me. So as you know, so another part of it being the brutally honest cook is I picked up photography during quarantine. I didn't okay. know what the hell I was doing. To be really? honest, no, I didn't even know how to adjust the settings of my camera so that the <laughs> shutter would click. Like <laughs> that was terrible. Um, and I felt like one of my pet peeves believe it or not is but before I started photography writing has always been my first love and so on Facebook I would write all these musings Mm -hmm. and number one thing people would do is they would meet me in person and they'll say oh my god I could never do what you do and it annoys me to no end because one thing I don't like is when people people belittle themselves to try to advance mm. or, or give me the impression of how well I'm doing, you know? Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So I started it with, with when I started it, because I wanted people to see something that I sucked at completely and watch how I learn how to stop sucking. Like this is exactly my process. Every time I do anything, you can do this too. If you're not afraid to fail, do the thing, just start it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so that miso dollop actually was, it was like a graduation flex because I had finally figured out how to light things, how to get the right textures, the right moves. I was able to control my image the most I ever had up until that point. And so mm-hmm. I didn't want to do like a full dish that would distract you. I wanted to just get the seasonings and I wanted you to see how pretty this damn picture was. <laughs> and it is pretty. Thank you. It is super so pretty. Thank you. That's dope that you noticed that. Thank you. Yeah, it was just something about too. it was just eye catching, right? And so, yeah. you know, you because you're looking at all of the different textures and all of the seasonings that are there, right? Against this, and I'm not even sure what it's on, but like, is it is it against pork belly? <laughs> is it you know? Is it? I don't even know. Uh, but it was just so. It's on a plate. It's just on a black plate. That's what a, I thought. Yeah. Okay, and I wasn't sure if it was on a skillet. But it's just the pop of color. And, and, and my first thing was, I was like, oh, is that chocolate? Because, you know, I'm a chocolate fanatic. And um, mm-hmm. 
but it, like I said, it was just like you said, you captured the textures, you captured the color. Um, and it was just very, it kind of puts you in a little bit of a trance that you're, you know, you're really studying the photograph as opposed to trying to figure out what it is. Like I'm just really studying it. And, that, and then I read what it was supposed to be. So I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me happy because yeah. that, that was the ultimate. That's so validating. Oh my gosh. So let me be a noob for a second, if you don't mind. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> because you know, when you start out, it's like you're your worst critic. You're just like, oh my God, you need to do so much better. To intentionally go through a process and put work out, the, the laziest thing you can do is hope that somebody thinks it looks cool, right? Mm-hmm. The truth is you want people to, to see your story and understand your intentions. And so when a person looks at your work and you can highlight the intention or pinpoint the intention behind the work, that's a, an eye. That's a masterful eye. So kudos to you and also thank you because that was great. Oh, no, you're more than welcome. You're a creative. That's how I know you're a creative. (laughs) Well, now (laughs) I'm saying all this to also say, like, I need an invitation to come and eat. Yes. So, you know how many people ask me if I cater? I I swear to you, if I had the equipment to go and cater events, I would be rolling in dough right now. But yes, you would be. (laughs) (laughs) But I would. That's not my work. The work I really want to do is food journalism. That's honestly my goal. I want to talk about my kitchen. I want to talk about other people in their kitchens. And I want to talk about restaurants and chefs. But yes, we. I need to feed you. I definitely would need to get you to sit down for, get us together for one day and just make whatever it is that you like and prefer. You pick the menu and I'll make it work. Well, I would uh, love but- to us to cook together. And then, really? and yes, yes, yes. I don't want, yeah, because I feel like there's so much communication in the production of food. Yes. And when friends are doing it together, I feel like it's, you know, there's so much that can be said and unsaid, right? In the midst of yeah. creating a meal together. So I'd rather do that. I don't want to just come and sit down and eat and you serve. I really want us to, you know, serve each other. So we want to put that. that on the calendar. I think we got to put that on the calendar and make sure that that happens just because, you know, why not, right? And I think we got to start taking more advantage of opportunities to be present with each other. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, it's the community of it all, yeah. right? Like, yeah, it's, it's no less endearing and connecting and intimate than having your sister between your legs and greasing her scalp, right? Yep, like, yep. There, it's, it's the same sense of bonding that you get when you're snapping peas with your grandmother so yes opportunities to connect over food to cook together and full transparency cook cooks are usually territorial and dominant in their kitchens and don't like cooking with other people mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's how you know they love you is when they invite you to come you know come along and, and do the things with them and y'all feed each other and and I think that's an important part an important element that I'm always trying to pull out of everything I do it's that feeling of again snapping peas at the table with your grandmother mm-hmm, I want mm-hmm. people to understand food is way more than just how you stuff your face and what tastes good as a matter of fact the things you think taste good aren't as good as the things you could be eating mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. 
you know, people, people do not know how to eat and they do not know how to identify what to eat. And so my goal, especially as an African-American woman, is to introduce the strange and nuanced experiences that we may be a little bit too shy to explore, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like eating with your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. No, you that's know? very true. That's very true. Yeah, I, and I think that I love that about the pandemic because yeah. an opportunity to eat more at home and you know families are together and bonding over meals and trying different things um, that they wouldn't normally make um, and exploring food mm-hmm. very differently or having mm-hmm. and creating different relationships with food um, as opposed to always getting something takeout, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I've really enjoyed that and I've kept my freezer full of stuff because I never know what I might be in the mood for. And sometimes uh-huh. like, I may watch something on top of it, like, oh, I think I can make that, right? But I may not have that specific ingredient, but then I'll start doing a little bit more research and realize like, well, I can use this ingredient that will give me something similar to what I want to do. And I like that even more, you know? Uh-huh. So, I love that. Yeah, I recently it's been great. a pesto. Mm-hmm. I, I, I of like substituting, I made a pesto, uh, from some purple basil that I bought at the farmer's market down in Hartford on Albany Avenue. Mm-hmm. And I ran out of pine nuts and used walnuts instead. Oh my oh. God, it was so <laughs> So try fattier nuts. If you want to make pesto at home, instead of using pine nuts, try walnuts or even pecans. You might be pleasantly surprised. Oh, I definitely will. So I'm taking notes right now. So Thank you very much. (laughs) Cause I do like a good pesto sauce. I really do. Yes. Um, So that's pretty neat. That's really interesting to kind of see how that. So I, okay. So I don't distract me. Don't distract me because I'm going to sit here and then I'll be like, wait a minute. We're supposed to do a podcast and I'm not. Uh, (laughs) um, So um, what do you want your legacy to be? And not just for you, but for your children. What do you, but starting off with, what do you want your legacy to be? I want to be the person that made more people believe in themselves. That, that's honestly the thing I want to leave with everyone around me. Like I want people to understand that their stock is way higher than they would praise themselves because mm-hmm. I'm a victim of not appraising myself at the, at the level that I should have. Mm. So if my character and my creativity and my conversations can motivate at least one person to have you ever seen Luca the Disney movie I have not seen it yet okay (laughs) so there's this like cute little thing where like the self-doubt in your head when you are the negative self-talk when you want to silence it, you say silencio Bruno, and that's Bruno in your head trying to talk to you. Like, I want people to f- always feel silencio Bruno when they see me. Like, they know that Bruno was talking shit and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But as far as my kids, um, like for my kids, I want, I want my labor to give them comfort materialistically, and I want my labor to fortify their character socially. I believe legacy is so much more than the house you leave Mm -hmm. or 
the <laughs> insurance policy that sure you, is you know um because you really do you're really accountable for the people these folks and how they engage the rest of the community like you made these folks to make your community continue mm-hmm. and i want my kids to feel like they had space to be any and everything that filled their souls the way that i went about going about my life when I had the opportunity to so I hope they do it sooner and I hope they do it longer and I hope they're happier than I could imagine doing so and how old are your kids now they're just Layla just turned 11 in July and my son Malcolm turned nine in May and I have a bonus son named Elijah with my partner and he is 10. Those are great ages and so (sighs) They're great so ages to be. And, and the fact that, you know, that you're saying the, the legacy that you want to leave for them and that you want them to have, that you're already thinking mm-hmm. about it and that you're already instilling that in them, mm-hmm. it's right on target. Um, <laughs> because that's just, you're dope. That's all I can keep saying. You know, you're just like the, one of the dopest people I've ever met in my life. So. Same this. I literally I rave about you all the time. And it's so funny because I was telling John about you and who's my partner. And I was like, yo, you don't understand. She's the reason <laughs> why I wanted to cut my hair my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's the baddest chick I've ever seen. And I am trying to have that energy like that. Like all the time. I talk about how dope you are and people. And it's so weird because you are so present and so like so powerful in presence but you're like one of the most low-key chill super down-to-earth people that you'll barely catch out in these streets at least I would I barely catch you out here you know you're so elusive (laughs) almost that's that Aquarius in you it probably (laughs) is it probably very much is it is very much who I That's am, so and that is very much the Aquarian me because I don't need <laughs> a lot of fanfare. I don't need it, um, but I definitely want to be present for people, and so I appreciate your saying that, um, mm. you know, and giving me that love and sharing space with me. Because, and let me be clear, I don't think we share enough space together. But agreed. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I thank you for sharing that with me because you know, I think it's good for people to tell people how they feel before it's too late. And um, you got to give people their flowers today because I don't know what happens tomorrow. And, Amen to that. And here we are. And here we are. So, you know, I just want to make sure that I say thank you so much for sharing your journey with me and with my listeners. And I really do hope that I can have you back on my show again. And so that way you can give the people more of Catrice. Because people Any- deserve to know more of Catrice. Oh, man, it's an honor. And if you ever call, I'm showing up. If you say we need five people to jump into an ice cold bath, I'm there. I'm <laughs> Me there too. Because- if you call, I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going to say the exact same thing. Um, so this will not be our, our last time doing this. Um, it's our first, but it won't be our last time. For sure. Well, All right, y'all. Thank you for joining me and my guest, the wonderful Catrice, for this episode of the No Good People podcast. And if you want to share your story, cool. Just hit me up at 
nogoodpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I am Vera Smith Winfrey. And remember, it's always good to know good people. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the No Good People podcast. Want to share your story? Cool. Hit me up at nogoodpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Vera Smith Winfrey. And remember, it's always good to know good people. The No Good People podcast is co-produced by Diana Guzman Productions and So Very Vera Productions. The No Good People podcast can be streamed through Apple, Spotify, and other selected streaming services.